episode 162, Carving Out Specialty Pharmacy Benefits. Today, I speak with Pramod John, PhD, CEO over at Vivio Health. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Specialty drugs that run through pharmacy benefit managers will soon comprise 50% of pharmacy budgets, even though they represent a relatively small number of RXs taken by a small number of patients. Vested interests in the industry have a vested interest in seeing that this trend continues as their share price depends on current profit margins and current profit opportunities. Enter Vivio Health, a new kind of plan with a new kind of carve-out benefit design for specialty pharmaceuticals. Today, I speak with Pramod John, who is the CEO over at Vivio Health. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Promote. Thank you, Stacey. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Talk about Vivio, which is the company that you founded, and what aspects that Vivio digs into and solves. You know, I think that we've gone back to the fundamentals, right? And the fundamental question that we would argue that is the most important question is really very, very simple. And it's, is this drug really working for this patient? And as obvious as that question seems, and as obvious and, and, and sort of a and sort of a foregone conclusion that, of course, that must be the starting point that we all start from, it turns out that's absolutely not the case today. And so we went back and asked the question of, well, what if we were to start with that obvious question where all of everything that we do is really around that question of, hey, what is the outcome that we're trying to get? for that individual patient, and how do we get there? So we went back and reimagined what care would look like if we were to say, look, care is not this disintegrated thing that we see today. Care is really about asking the question of, hey, what's wrong with this patient? Where do we want to get them to? And how do we use the data that we already have, whether it starts with clinical trial data, whether it starts with population-level data, and the data that we have around that individual person to say, for the first time, we can use data and analytics to profile that individual and understand exactly where they are, sort of when we talk about things like disease progression, and add to that questions like, how are they progressing? And then figure out for the first time, what is the best trajectory for getting that patient to the right outcome? And of course, along with that, we can also ask very interesting or simple questions like, what are the alternatives for getting them there from a cost perspective and how do they compare? So not only can we get the patient to the best outcome as quickly as possible, we can also get them there from the least cost perspective. And I'm sure that everyone out there is thinking, well, obviously that's what everyone does. I mean, it's so obvious. But if you were to break down and look at how PBMs work, how physicians prescribe medications, how all of the other parties are involved, how pharma puts out information and data, and how we use that information, as obvious as that seems, that's not the way that it works today. And so we said, look, there's nothing that stops us from thinking about the world differently and reinventing this. And so we built a new plan, if you will, because we needed to be able to control aspects of, we want to make sure it's at the lowest price that you're getting that. 
we want to be able to make sure that we can have a dialogue and provide data and talk to your physician for the first time and look at individual patient data as the driver for decision making rather than arbitrary things like formularies and step therapies that don't make any sense or prior authorizations. Getting rid of all of that to focus on how do we get to the right outcome and how do we do it in a data-driven fashion. So that's, that's what we've created, a new plan that actually does that, as obvious as that seems. When you say a new plan, you are effectively acting as a payer, like it's a benefit design. Yeah. So we basically carve out all specialty for populations because the problem is that if you were to step back and say, well, why don't you take your data and give it to the existing plans or to give it to the existing PBMs or whomever else so they can improve the quality of what they do? And then you realize that that's not the issue. The reason that a carrier works in the way that they do or a PBM works in the way that they do is not an accident. The reason they work in the way they do is they have economic incentives that are set up to benefit them in that way. And they make money by the more drugs they push, by the way they manage formularies, by the way they keep pieces of rebates back that they get from uh, from uh, manufacturers. And so we've said, well, you can't fix this if you don't start and say, we're not going to build a business model in that way. Our business model is going to look different. And it's not going to be based on any of those things. It's going to be 100% transparent and the focus is going to be data on every dimension. And, and the people who buy into this plan or the employers who use it, they have complete visibility into all of the financial data, the population level data on their, on their plan members, everything. So that for the first time, we can say this has nothing to do with us having a misincentive that drives the outcome in the wrong direction. It's driven by data that everybody can look at and agree this was the right thing to do, and we paid the right price for it. So your customers are self-insured employers, and they are carving out the specialty pharmacy benefit, as you just said, or all the specialty pharmacy drugs. So that particular employer will have another, you know, they're still working with the PBM and they're still working with their ASO in order to provide the normal set of, of benefits. But anytime a specialty pharmacy drug gets prescribed, it kicks to you, to your That's organization. Correct. That's exactly right. And then how does this work from a patient standpoint? So say my doctor writes a drug, which is not the best. You know what I mean? Like they were basing it on, they didn't see the latest report or something. So, you know, a drug has been prescribed for me. I go to the pharmacy to fill it. Like, what are you doing differently than your normal prior auth process? Yeah, we, we take a very different approach to the process altogether. We don't have a prior auth. There is no such thing in our, in our parlance. And the reason for that is that we basically collect data and we construct for, and, and what we really do is build clinical models of disease activity. And so what we do is that we take all of the data associated with the patient and we construct a model of where they fit from a disease activity perspective and what their potential trajectories look like. And the first area that we're focused on is actually, and as a startup, we can't solve everything in one go. But the first area that we're starting out rolling out is the area of inflammatory diseases and specifically RA. So we profile patients and understand where they are. And instead of it being sort of a adversarial relationship with the physician, we take that real-time assessment for that patient and provide it back to the physician, their physician. So their physician, because our goal is to help their physician make a better decision, both by understanding objectively where their patient sits and also 
give them complete details on what the costs of all the different therapies are and treatment options are. One of the things that we found as we talked to physicians was were two things. One is they don't have a lot of time to spend with patients. So they don't have time to go through, you know, days and days of EMR or, or visits to figure out what to do with the patient. So our whole goal was how do we distill all that information in a way that, uh, uh, for example, a rheumatologist could figure out a snapshot of their patient in 30 seconds or less. And along with that, the second thing that we heard from doctors was that they don't know how much all these options cost, for example, and they don't have visibility into that. So we've transformed that to say, hey, we're going to give you all the information about the different therapy options and what the, what the annual costs are from an overall perspective so that you get all of that information so you can make an informed decision on behalf of your patient uh, on the data that you currently don't have as you're making decisions for them. How does this look from a clinician standpoint then? I'm, I'm picturing, this is the picture I have in my head, Promote. I have a picture that you start working with an employer and then for every patient within your carved out therapeutic category, you're putting together like a binder on that patient that includes all of their medical records that are, are relevant. And then you're looking at which provider that patient is attributed to. And then you're kind of proactively sending them a little pack of these patient reports. Yeah, so we also try to time it with certain things because obviously doctors don't want unsolicited information. And so often what we do is we time the information to events that are tied to a patient, a patient visiting a doctor, for example, a patient wanting a therapy change, for example. And we do some things that doctors also typically aren't able to do, which is we collect patient reported outcomes. And so we actually collect some of this information and then we provide it contextually to when a doctor needs it. Because, you know, a doctor doesn't really review a patient's records from a random perspective. They typically do that when there's some factor like a, like a, like a patient visit or a therapy change or something that's a trigger for them to take an action. And we time our information along with one of those triggering actions. And you know that the patient is going to make a visit because somehow or another... That's part of your platform or, or they report it? Yeah. Yeah. Because either we get self-reported data or it's tied to a prescription refill that's needed and the visits required or things like that. that are common things that already occur sort of in the life cycle of care that are trigger points for us. And then once that trigger point happens, that's when the report gets shot out to the physician in advance. And to the patient, because, you know, we're, we're firm believers that an empowered patient having visibility objectively to understanding where they are, what their options are, is just as important as the physician. And so we make all of that data and assessment also available to patients. And along with that, one of the other things that we often found was that there's a lot of complexity associated with a PBM, who your specialty pharmacy is, how you know scripts get from point A to point, you know, just, just a lot of complexity. So we reimagine that piece of it, too, to say, hey, there's no reason a patient should have to understand all the details of any of that stuff. So we've set up concierges. So our whole model is that you have a concierge who manages all of the details for you of any coordination that needs to be done, even if it's between your doctor's office and a third party, like especially pharmacy or all those kinds of things. Everything's taken care of. You as a consumer don't have to do anything because we believe that, you know, you should be focused on getting better not on dealing with the back end of the healthcare system. And so we get rid of a lot of that complexity for the member also in our model. 
as you onboard an employer, it sounds like the first thing that you do is you get all the information that that they currently are holding relative to the therapeutic categories of interest so that you're getting all this upfront info. And then you're augmenting that with other, maybe you give them all, I'm making stuff up here, um, you know, like a mobile app or something, you know, like a way to, re- to collect those patient reported outcomes and then folding that all together. Is that kind of what it looks like at the very beginning? Yeah. So, with the, you know, like, for example, when we when we go to an employer, the first thing we do is analyze their population to understand, hey, what does their population look like? How are they spending dollars? Where are the areas of opportunity? That's sort of step one. Is there a business case in which we can actually help you as an employer? Assuming that there's a business case for us to move forward and we can help you as an employer, then as, as part of our our onboarding, we, again, automatically collect all the data we automatically figure out who are the people who we can help. Then we reach out and make the transitions automatic for them versus the current model of, uh-oh, I think something's changed and something got rejected and I need to do something and figure out what went wrong, which is you know sort of the model of how it works today. So we proactively do all those things from the perspective of the members. And then as we develop clinical models, our clinical models will automatically assess the populations uh, around those clinical areas that we care about and sort of profile the patients even before we see them or talk to them for the first time. Interesting. And you've been around since when did you start Vivio? It was like two years? This is uh, last year. Yeah, we're just over a year old. Do you have results that would prove the business model? You know, like what's the upshot of this transparency? What do we see? We've got, uh, you know, we launched with our first large customer in January of this year. And so we have got referenceable customers like that that actually have been able to test out the model. And they're extremely happy and referenceable customers, both on the financial opportunity and on the improved member experience on both of those axes. We've fortunately been very successful. And as a result, we've got great results and uh, referenceable uh, customers for that reason. I think that's interesting in an absolute sense, but it's also very interesting in a relative sense because doing things that the way that you are doing them, what it also provides is a baseline, which really enables a quantification of some of the, let's just say, more conventional practices <laughs> that PBMs may deploy. You know, that's a really interesting point that you bring up. And let me reiterate, we're a numbers company. We're about numbers. And we're not about numbers because we think numbers are interesting. We're about numbers because this is, in fact, a numbers problem. And if you think back to even a simple concept like a clinical trial, often we think that those are clinic, you know, a clinical trial has the word clinical in it, right? And so we immediately think that, hey, this is a clinical problem because it says clinical. Now, if you were to look under the hood of a clinical trial, you'll find that almost there's very little to do with anything clinical in a clinical trial. A clinical trial is actually a mathematical statistical study around something in which we've already decided what the biology is. We already have decided and know what the mechanism of action is. And now we're testing that against a population, which is by its very nature a mathematical problem. And so now think for a moment and imagine that a patient walks into a physician's office and you're taking data, which was actually population level statistics that were actually generated as part of a clinical trial, 
And now you're applying them to an N of one of a person who's walked into a doctor's office. So as it turns out, what a physician is trying to do at that point also has nothing to do with biology. We're not doing research on what a mechanism of action is. We're not doing research on, hey, is tumor necrosis factor the issue that's causing your problem? When somebody is prescribed a biologic that's a TNF inhibitor, we're now doing a statistical study on an N of one to see, is, do we get a response um, on someone by using a TNF inhibitor, right? And that, again, is a statistical mathematical problem. And so the reason we get excited and talk about numbers isn't because we're excited about numbers. The reason is because the fundamental nature of the problem we're solving is a numbers problem. And for some odd reason, often we seem to miss that point. And all we're trying to do is bring back everyone to the point that, look, this is a numbers problem. The right way to solve this is to talk about numbers and look at numbers, measure things, and understand how someone's doing. And that's the basis of everything we do. Vinod Kasla, who sometimes I like very much and sometimes I don't like at all, but one of the things he said, if you want to go into medicine today, go into math. I think that's in concordance with your point. So if, if I'm an employer and I hired Vivio, what kind of reports am I getting? And I'm asking this because it's pretty well known fact in the industry that, you know, if you're talking to a benefits person at an employer, they sort of have a very different sense of what matters than if you're talking to, for example, a CFO. So, you know, like what kind of reports are you handing to the employer? And then on the flip side, like who are you tending to give them to? You know, really good question. I think we tend to sell still to benefits professionals. And the primary reason for that is that, you know, today in corporate America, these decisions about what you do and who you buy and how you buy services, are those decisions are still largely made by benefits professionals. What we're really trying to do is take a very data-driven approach but the people that we're trying to really help with their data-driven approach are still benefits professionals. We're trying to help them understand this very complex and opaque space in a way that's easy for them to understand. We're trying to help them make better decisions about the populations that they manage. But for the first time, we're also trying to make it data-driven. We're trying to take back to them uh, an easy way to understand the financial aspects of the decisions that they make. So to that extent, it's still the benefits professionals, but what we really try to do is how do we make this something easy for them to comprehend and understand and positioned in a way that they can make decisions versus complex gobbledygook that often means absolutely nothing. And the way we make sales are by it's so complicated, nobody can understand it. And we want to move outside of that world to say, look, this stuff isn't rocket science, right? We make it rocket science because we want to make it opaque. It doesn't need to be. And so our approach is really, how do we help people understand? Here are the one or two things that, that you need to understand. These are the things that you should be thinking about. And we're going to give you all the data to understand it yourself. Money is a limited commodity obviously a limited resource, but so is time. So is the value prop that you're offering, you know, and, and this is kind of a, a theoretical question because I know you have already signed up employers, but at scale, do you think that the service that you're offering, there's enough of a recognized benefit to warrant a benefits professional who's going a mile a minute 
to, you know, hire another carved out payer and, uh, you know, and whatnot, especially given that it's further limited to the therapeutic category. Does that make sense? I didn't phrase that very well. No, I think, you know, you bring a really good point up, which is that, look, there's got to be some level of return. Otherwise, it's not worth the effort because there are a million things we could be doing. And we want to work on those things that have the highest return on investment. And so to that end, even with our first customer, one of the interesting things that you'll see is that just if you were to think about you know, a couple of dimensions, but one dimension would be how much they pay us, right? We have a transparent fee that we charge. And you know, for that customer who's referenceable, I think it was in the first uh, you know, two or three months, they'd already recovered 2x of what they paid us for the whole year in the first couple of months after launch. And so it was an extremely high ROI on the perspective of the dollars that they spent to the dollars that they got back. Now, of course, it could have been a very small number of absolute dollars. But in this case, if you were to look at sort of what the savings opportunities are for many of these employers, even mid-sized employers, we're talking about seven-figure savings, even for a mid-sized employer. So we're talking about significant numbers of dollars. And, you know, on the scale of things, we look no different than a behavioral health program that you carve out or a wellness program that you carve out or many things that we're used to carving out as specialized programs. So it's not a heavy lift. And we've designed the program to be very much a plug and play sort of replacement to some of the things that you're currently doing. So it's not a heavy lift on your part, but the return is extremely high because both the dollars are extremely high aggregately. And the ROI on our services on what we're being paid is also extremely high. There's also the promise of scale there, that you are a newer organization and you're obviously you got to start somewhere. So you, you picked one thing to start with. But if the model is successful, obviously, there's going to be more where that came from. Well, and you bring up an interesting point. I mean, the, the, the one reason why everybody, you know, why are we having this discussion? Because we're talking about innovation. Innovation is about new business models, right? And doing things that are new. And at the end of the day, the reason why we would any of us would invest our time in doing something new isn't because you're going to save a few dollars. It's because five years from now, we've changed the way this industry works. And for the early adopters in what we do, if you were to step back and talk to them, right, the real reason they were excited about partnering with us wasn't because they could save a few dollars. You know, on the scale of things, they're all large enough corporations that they want to save seven figures, but, you know, it's not going to make or break them. They did it because for the first time, they realized at scale, this could potentially change the way we think about drugs, the way we pay for drugs, the way that uh, how much these drugs cost. And we want solutions that at scale could change an industry. That's the reason why these customers are buying into what we're doing. Here, here. So if someone's interested in learning more about Vivio or reading some of the excellent articles which you have scribed, where, where can they go for that insight? You know, obviously, one of the obvious places would be our website, www.viviohealth.com. And we've got a media section that's got some of the articles, podcasts, other things that we've put out. And it's got general information. And obviously, it's got contact information on how to contact us if you're interested in getting more details about what we do and how we might be able to help you. Terrific. It has been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today, Promote. Stacey, thank you very much for having us. And uh, uh, we really appreciate it. And we're excited about any opportunity to think about changing the way we do something. And this is a big area of focus for all of us as Americans. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, 
You will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.